All right, everybody, welcome into the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast, season three, episode one. I am your host, Blake Byler, along with Matthew Gibson and Jacob Pickle. Uh, and we are now here, a part of the Bama Central Broadcasting Network. Uh, very excited to be bringing the show over here. Uh, but before we get into it, just a little bit about what this is this is the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast. Um, This is the third season of said podcast where me, Matthew, and Jacob uh, just discuss all things uh, Alabama basketball, uh, news, analysis, uh, all things we're talking about it here. Um, I am Blake Byler. I'm an intern here at Bama Central. Uh, I have been covering Alabama basketball for a couple years now, have always followed the program. Uh, Really excited to be doing this, uh, and I'm joined by... Uh, we'll go to you, Matthew, first. How about you introduce yourself to our newer audience? Yeah, hey everyone. I'm Matthew Gibson. I'm currently a senior at the University of Alabama. I am a Bama Central intern, much like Blake. Um, I've been working for the Crimson Wyatt the last year or so, but I'm excited to get started with Bama Central. And, uh, you know, Bama basketball has been a part of my life for quite a while now. I've, you know, covered it for a good bit and uh, I'm really excited for this. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Jacob Pickle, I'll also be a senior at Alabama this fall. I'll be the uh, Crimson Chaos president coming up, so very excited for that, um, getting to enjoy the basketball program that I love, that we all love uh, through that realm and kind of on that side of things the last few years has been awesome and excited to kind of roll with BCU for a third season, uh, getting the best content and just discussions that we can out to you guys and just enjoy getting to talk a little hoops. Yeah, we've previously uh, recorded in person uh, together. We've had uh, various setups, as some of our followers who have been with us for a long time uh, know. Uh, but now that we are um, – it, it's summer break. We're all home for the summer. I'm in uh, Hoover, Matthews, and Huntsville. Jacob's in Panama City. Uh, so we are all at our various homes. We're all – we're doing it here on StreamYard uh, that Matthew's got set up for us. He's got a great uh, graphic style and everything. Uh, so we may have this video component out for people to watch, but um, that that's kind of our different setup that we have here to start. We've done this for two seasons now. We started in the 2021-22 season, uh, if I remember correctly, and we've done, what, close to 30 episodes total? Probably about 15 yeah. a season? Yeah, Close to, honestly, might be close to 40 at this point. We're, we've yeah, it might be. made quite a few. Yeah, and you'll you'll know from listening to this, but all of our previous episodes are on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're all available there for you to listen to any past episodes. But let's go ahead and get into it. Today is June 23rd. I guess this will be out on the 24th, but it is the day after uh, the NBA draft. And so Alabama had a very successful NBA draft with uh, Brandon Miller going second overall to the Charlotte Hornets, Noah Clowney going 21st overall to the Brooklyn Nets, just kind of first reactions. I'll go to Matthew first. Um, I guess we could start with Brandon Miller going to the Hornets. What were your first reactions to uh, that selection and how uh, Miller's going to fit in in Charlotte? Well, I think that's a perfect fit for him there in Charlotte uh, next to uh, LaMelo Ball. Um, but honestly, my first reaction was kind of seeing the Charlotte fans not be too happy with that pick. I uh, saw a lot of uh, you know disdain for Miller there in that selection. I think a lot of that has to do with Miller really being Michael Jordan's guy and Jordan's on the way out in Charlotte. But I really like the fit there. Um, You know, he's going to be able to get a lot of catch and shoot opportunities just based off of balls, ball handling ability. Um, You know, it's it's a great fit for him. 
Um, I think the city of Starlight's really going to fall in love with him when it comes down to it. And honestly, I don't think there was a better fit for Miller within those top four selections than Charlotte. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think with what the team needs versus where he needs to be, uh, I think it gives him the opportunity to showcase like various parts of his offensive game uh, and help on the defensive side of the ball. That He enjoys that a lot, uh, too. I, I think we saw that towards the end of the season. But, I mean, just really excited for him. Like, even Matthew, you're saying, like, Brandon was Michael Jordan's guy. Like, that's that's cool. Like, for this basketball yeah. <laughs> program, for that to be Michael Jordan's guy. And, like, he really is. Like, you see uh, the clips that the, the Hornets put out of the phone call between the two of them. Like, that, they're very comfortable with it. And, you know, I know MJ won't be around um, as he plans to sell the team. But still having that, like, belief from an owner. For the Hornets. Yeah, it, it is a good, good thing for the Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to, to see that, Brandon, I mean, it's just super exciting that we've got a guy going that high. Uh, I think with what you're talking about, Matthew, the Hornets fans really leaning and looking for Scoot. I, I think they would have been – I think they will be satisfied in the long term that they have Brandon instead of Scoot. As incredible of an athlete as Scoot is, I think Brandon brings uh, a lot more offensive efficiency. His shooting totals are way higher. He's just – better in that avenue of the game than Scoot is. And he's great from NBA range, which we've seen. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's super incredible and you know, really excited to see Clowney get drafted by the Nets as well. I think he'll have an opportunity to have the, the instant impact, but love to hear you guys thoughts on that as well. Yeah. I mean, with Miller, the, I mean, I get the, the Hornets fans. They're like kind of upset for wanting Scoot. Like Scoot's a really good player and he he's, uber athletic he's like he looks like like his body's ready to compete in the nba right now so i can understand wanting scoot and i also can understand thinking that he's a better player than miller i don't really know who i think is a better player uh to be honest with you like i think scoot's gonna be really good i think miller's gonna be really good i like at the end of the day you still got a really good player if you're the charlotte hornets and and miller is prototypical like what you want in today's NBA unless you like are the Spurs and you can get Victor Wembanyama. but like six foot nine can shoot the three at almost 40 percent he can handle the ball he's versatile on the defensive end he can switch one through three or four um like he he can do all the things that you need a wing to do in the NBA and so like he's going to be good barring like an injury or something like that the people that all they see is like the turn the ncaa tournament the the not so great tournament that he had like three game sample size while he's playing on a groin injury like it's not great he didn't play particularly well but it's not like he didn't impact those games and it's not like he had zero in every game you know what i mean so uh, like i think i still think charlotte is getting obviously charlotte's getting one of the best players in the draft and while I understand wanting Scoot, like I still think like they're going to watch the summer league here in like two weeks and Miller's going to have like a 20 point game and all of a sudden everyone's going to be in on him. Um, so like the, the funny thing is how sometimes these like rivalries sprout from the draft and like the comparisons that you see in the draft, especially between like fan bases, like Auburn fans are always going to be comparing like Jabari Smith to Chet Holmgren because they thought he should have gone before him. And like I feel like we're gonna see something. What's a, what's a similar one? Um, maybe like Jason Tatum and Lonzo Ball. I don't know if that. I, I remember them being like looked at really yeah. closely. Um, 
I mean, John Morant, Zion Williamson, like guys that go early in the draft back to back, their careers are always looked at like closely. So for the rest of their careers, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson are intertwined and you're going to see comparisons like that, which honestly I think it makes for fun and compelling sports. Uh, but yeah, I, Charlotte's still getting a really good player. And so like, I mean, I think the videos of like Hornets fans, like booing at like a bar or whatever, that's like kind of lame. Cause like, obviously like Miller's a 20 year old kid. He's getting drafted on his big day. You don't want to see stuff like that. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a surprise pick. People knew it was going to happen. Uh, the only people that didn't were like Shams who was like, what was he doing with the fan duel stuff? Actually, <laughs> like all day he's like, Oh look, the, the odds are changing. Like maybe changing. stuff with, with scoot, like maybe he's going to go. And then Woj on the other side is like, yeah, it's been Miller this entire time. It was never not going to be Miller. Um, so it, it sounds like Shams just wanted a lot of people to put some money on Henderson. Yeah, I would be intrigued to see the structure of Sham's contract on things like that. Like, I I can't imagine that he doesn't get some kickback on NBA. That can't be ethical to like to work for like to to tweet about movement and like odds and like he was obviously hinting at things. Yeah, I mean, same. Rothstein does similar things with like injury news and lines like throughout the day. Is he Fanduel too? Yeah. That. They're, they're the big problem right I don't now like in that. my in my view of things. I think they are the the main like culprit of a lot of like, yeah, like what, what is so... fraud. Like it's fraud. <laughs> Cause I, it's like you're you're like almost manipulating who's putting money on what. Like not directly, yeah. but like indirectly. Yeah, how, you're, like, you're tweeting like, oh, the gap's closing between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Like people are going to go put their money on the plus odd Scoot Henderson. And then like, if you know this whole time that like the likelihood is Brandon Miller, like, Hmm. I wonder. In the stock that. world, in the stock world, that's insider trading. So yeah. Like that's so like, messed up. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's where we're all headed. It's not ideal. Not good. But moral of the story, Charlotte's still getting a really good player. Y'all saw the, the the video of him in the in the Hornets jersey today. So yeah, they have so nice, man. I'll say that. Yes, they, they do. They... Actually, I want to look these up. What which ones are the best ones? Because I really like the light blue ones. The the one he was wearing, like the like the or teal one, like that's going triple platinum at the University of Alabama this fall. Like do you were <laughs> Yes it is. You will see like there will be no They're less good. than thirty at the first basketball game. They like they're all nice, even so, like the, the black of, one with the gold wow. trim on it. The city of Charlotte is just like I mean, you see how they do for the the Canes. Like, if the Panthers or the Hornets get good, like watch out uh, that the city could come alive. Oh yeah, the the bankers and the accountants will be out in droves in Charlotte to support support the Hornets and Brandon Miller. And they're yeah, actually about- button down t shirts and their pleated yes. pants. And- yeah. The loafers. Sunglasses and loafers, yes. <laughs> we talk about people being intertwined. How about Bryce Young and Brandon Miller there in Charlotte? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. That's so cool. The And for, for the same university to have the number one pick in the NFL draft and the number two pick in the NBA draft, 
same year. Yeah. I don't even know the last time. I can't even think of the last time a school would have had that. I, let's see. I mean, I, in 2018, Oklahoma had Kyler go one and Trey go five. I remember Kyler and Trey Young were like the last pair that I can really think of that was that level. Uh, okay, only 13 schools have even produced a number one draft pick in the NBA and NFL. All right, the article well, Alabama loaded. hasn't either. So, right, right, but to see. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, not Kentucky, not not no. not LSU, Michigan. I I think Alabama might like have the same. The, uh, I mean, well, weren't like what are the like like what Florida Leonard Fournette Florida and Ben Simmons were at LSU the same year, right? Yes, that's well, true. Been, yeah, Fournette went yeah, top five. Ben Fournette went like fourth, and Ben Simmons went number one. Okay. So that's one. So that's Trey close. Young and Kyler Murray was close. Surely there I was somebody from the, from the 07 Florida teams. Maybe. Al Horford didn't go that high, did he? Wasn't Al Horford the number one pick? Was he? He was, he was pick three. Okay. So 2000. No, it was Joakim right. Noah that didn't go that high. Joakim yeah. Noah was later. Uh okay yeah nope. But that Marcus Florida Russell. team, that Florida football team, didn't have like a top five pick on it. Like they, they were did good. not. They Jarvis Moss went at seventeen, and that was the the first pick that they had. So wow, that's a surprise. There wasn't a lot of play out of that. That feels that feels like we might have to get the play out of that on Twitter like tonight. Uh, we yeah for real. Like <laughs> we we might have to farm those interactions. <laughs> Cause like I can, I can think of prominent pairings, but never like two never top two. two guys. Yeah, that's. Hmm. Cause like think about like I'm trying to think of the top foot or basketball guys, and then think about their football teams from that year. Like right. Zion, like Duke didn't have a good football team. Mm-hmm. Like because like, uh, there's Anthony, so little Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards, Georgia. Ooh. Uh, no, was that, that was Georgia in 2020. So 2020 NFL draft, Georgia didn't have anybody in the top five. Yeah, that that was the year that they lost like two games or something. Oh, they did. Andrew Thomas. Oh, he was fourth, right? He was he was fourth. Yeah, to the Giants, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So was that so, the same? Yeah, that was the same. Okay. So what did it remember? What did Anthony Edwards go? Did he go one? One. Yeah, yeah. one. Okay, so one and four. So that all right. So close. One and four. That's the most recent example. Unless then, like not, it, what? I mean, Kate Cunningham, Oklahoma State. No. Yeah. Um who went two? Who went right after Cunningham? In twenty twenty one. I can't remember. Uh, let's see. On it. Just Googling the NBA draft. I end up, when, uh, whenever I Google the NBA, like past uh, NBA Jaylen drafts, Green. I'll be busy for the next hour. Oh, yeah. Auburn legend. Auburn legend. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's. So, yeah, no. <laughs> it just doesn't have, like, James Wiseman was Memphis. Um, right. Yeah, so, wow. That, 
That's special. That that may actually be the highest ever. Like and at the combined. same time, Montana Fouts is on campus. At right. the same time, Will Anderson's on campus. That's a top three NFL draft pick. Yeah. At the same time, another first round NBA guy. And then you've got like who else? Uh, I think Ali Shipman went top ten in the I forget the name of the softball league, but the new professional softball league draft. Uh, soccer had um, oh, shoot, what's her name? She went eighth, I think. Was it Crone? No, it was. Um, it's gonna drive me crazy. Reyes. Uh, what was her first name? Reyna. Reyna. So, yes. uh, yeah. doing some research, the only team that's had a number one pick in both sports in the same year was Utah in two thousand five, and that would be Alex Smith and then Andrew Bogut. Bogut went number had, one. I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> Wait, Alex and Alex Smith went one. Yeah. Alex uh, Smith was crazy. He yeah. was so good. 49ers, wow. Alex Smith was special. He was special. But yeah, yeah in, but- in cra- like absolutely crazy year for Alabama athletics, just with the amount of talent yeah. that was everywhere. Yep. Reyna Reyes, uh, fifth overall to the Portland Thorns FC. Wow. So, and then yeah, Riley Tanner drafted Riley Madden and Parker. A lot, whole lot of talent. So then Noah Clowney goes later to the Nets at 21. What do y'all think about that placement? I, for one, I think it's incredible that he went from – like seeing Clowney get drafted was kind of like more surreal to me than Miller because of like the hype around Miller and how about a month in we knew he was going to be a top five guy. But for Clowney to be there at the green room, for him to be drafted like that – that kind of had a different feeling for me than Miller did. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, obviously that's the biggest point of recruiting Alabama's going to be able to have for down the road and future purposes. I mean, obviously you take a guy like Noah Clowney, who was roughly in the 70, 60, 80 range, and you turn him into a top 25 pick pretty easily. It's it's pretty incredible what Alabama was able to do there in terms of development. And then the fit with the Nets, too. We talk about that. It's a great fit. The Nets love kind of those bruising front court guys. We've seen that in the past with Jared Allen. We've seen that like now with Nick Claxton. Claxton, yes. Yeah. You know, he's he's young. He's going to get, you know, some minutes, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine, pretty early. Um, so it's, it's a great fit for Noah there, too. Yeah. I'm 24-7. Oh, wait, go ahead, Jake. Yeah, I'm well, looking that up. I was just going to say I'm overjoyed to see Conley get that first round. I mean, having, like – just seeing his reaction and how excited he was and like how much like he's like worked for that and earned that and come from so far in the recruiting rankings, like kind of relatively forgotten among like, I, I think we didn't even talk about him a ton coming into the season until it got closer to time. Um, he was just like surpassed expectations. Uh, just works so hard in game out of game i mean every time that we would get there two three hours early to set up for games he was the first one shooting around practicing free throws like he might take 150 free throws and if he missed one like somewhere in there he'd just be so mad like and just go out and make more so i just so special to see him uh, just earn that and have that talent recognized and then go into a good situation where he's gonna 
get a chance to prove himself uh, and show off what he's been doing at Alabama. Probably see an uptick in the shooting as well, hopefully, for him. Like, get those numbers up even more, and then he's he's going to be in the NBA a long time. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, this is a guy that, you know, coming into the year, before he arrived on campus, the three of us were like, what is Alabama doing here? And now we can look back, and we obviously, with the plan that Nate Oates had, we can look to the front court, uh, the front court now with guys like Jaron Stevenson or the recruitment of Grant Nelson. Is he real? We don't know. But you see it with Mahalo Diabate and all these other front court guys that Bama is recruiting. And you just have to trust what NATO sees in these guys now. Yeah, on 24-7, uh, Noah Clowney, uh, on 24-7's rankings, he was number 99. He was number 18. He was the 18th ranked power forward. And he was the second ranked player in South Carolina uh, behind Gigi Jackson, who he went 20 picks ahead of last night. Um, in, uh, on composite, which like combines all of the rankings, he was number 79 and the number 13 power forward. So if I'm, I'm going to the rankings, I'm going to look at, I'm going to name some names that are around Noah Clowney and let's see if we recognize them, uh, directly above Noah Clowney, Darian Ford. Do we recognize that name? Yeah, he yes. played at Arkansas, played, air quotes, yeah. at Arkansas. Did he see the floor? No, and I think he was told he to not see right? the floor. I was about to say, he was, he was told to not see the floor there anymore either. Like, Wait, physically actually, see it. Uh, where is he now? Oh, you'll never I, guess where he is now. Arkansas State. He is at Arkansas State with Brian yeah, Hodgson. Yep. <laughs> um, great pickup. Great pickup. Uh, Zion Cruz. Where does he go? Mm. Feels like a whack name. It's a whack uh, name, but it's not a whack name. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, I honestly don't know. Oh, no. DePaul. DePaul? Okay. DePaul. Okay. Um, one Weird. above him. Uh, Milos Uzan. He goes to Oklahoma. I don't know. Uh, one above him, Jaden Shutt. He went to Duke. Um, okay. One above him, Van Allen Lubin from Notre Dame. Oh, uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. Above, uh, him, Rodney Rice, Alabama legend. Alabama legend. Uh, yeah. Is he still at Virginia Tech? I don't know. He might have quarreled. Hold on. Yeah, I'll look that up real yeah. quick. Uh, one above him. Jaden Epps from Illinois. I think he portaled. Uh, but yeah, like those are the guys around Noah Clowney in these recruiting rankings. Uh, all of them are still in college. Some of them have transferred. Um, and Noah Clowney is a first round draft pick in the NBA. Scrolling up, the next draft pick that I see is at number 67, Taylor Hendricks from UCF. And then Bryce Sensabot, 65, from Ohio State. So, like, there are a couple gems down there in this recruiting class, a couple gems yeah. outside the top 50. Um, he's going to be the, – the Nets, I like that fit. Like, they, they needed rebounding, defensive versatility, and somebody – like, having him next to Claxton is really funny because I think Claxton is a really good cop for him. And, like, a guy who, like – their frames are similar. I feel like they kind of play in similar ways. And so, like, seeing Claxton and then, like, 
baby Claxton on the same team is is fun. I think Matt Landry said something like that last night, and I was I agreed with him. That that was really funny. Matt Landry, the same guy that said he didn't know why Noah Clowney was a take. That is true. We we could find those. I remember that. It's we could in find the those messages. Somewhere. Yep. <laughs> so, Matt Landfraud strikes again. <laughs> uh, also, with the selection of Noah Clowney, Alabama has two. Alabama had two first-round picks um, in last night's draft. One of five schools to have two last night. Houston had two. Michigan had two. Duke had two. Alabama had two. I think there's one other that I'm forgetting. In the in the first round, or Arkansas. Overall. Arkansas had two. Yeah. That was the other yeah. one last night. Arkansas. Only two. Uh, Walsh went second round. Oh, did, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ignore that. He went to what? Celtics, right? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting fit. Yeah, that's something. I, th- I think it makes sense. I don't know. I'm I don't know. still flexing that out in my mind. I, I just don't know if he's going <laughs> to stick around that long. He, he's just not like – he just he, is an offensive void. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to shoot. Uh, but Alabama now – is I have my list right here. Um, number of first round picks since 2020, since NATO took over. Kentucky has six, Duke has five, Alabama has four. No one else has four besides those three teams. Um, quick, can you name all of Kentucky's? I don't know if I can. Uh, Jacob Toppin, Chris Livingston did get drafted. Did you? Jacob Toppin. Somehow. Or not Livingston, sorry. Toppin was it not was a first-round pick. First-round pick. In the- Toppin. All right, off to a strong start. Um, you got one last night. It was Cason Wallace. Cason Wallace. Yes. So what other Kentucky players have been first-round picks since 2020? People who have never listened to this show before are going to be like, do they just do trivia the whole time? Sometimes, yes. yes. Sometimes, we- yes. It's, it's fun. fun. <laughs> uh did did Davion Mintz end up going first round last year? Oh surely not. Um I can name another one. I'm thinking of another one. Ty Ty Washington. Shaden yes. Sharp. Yeah. Shade Sharp. Oh, he counts. That's weird. Um didn't play a game for them. That's a fraudulent oh, six. That's really five. Yeah. Shade Sharp came out of high school for all I care. Absolutely. We could probably make another one fraudulent and put us T2. Did Isaiah Jackson uh, go first round? Who? Isaiah Jackson. Oh, I don't don't think so. I'm looking it up. Former Bama recruit, by the way. That came really close to landing him not too long ago. Yeah, I remember that that class, they were going for uh, Isaiah Jackson and Namari Burnett. Yeah. Before he went to Texas Tech. Okay, I have it here. Um, Cason Wallace, Shaden Sharp, um, Ty Ty Washington. Isaiah Jackson did go in the first round. Who drafted Isaiah Jackson? The Los Angeles Lakers. I did not know that. Um, First round pick, number 22 in uh, 2021. Uh, Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel Quigley. Okay. Two good ones there. Jeez. Two really good ones. Kentucky guards are always good in the league. Um, six six yeah, draft the, the, picks and zero SEC titles. 
in the last since 2020. They won the regular season title in 2020. There wasn't a in, okay, including the 2020. Gotcha. I I understand. Yeah. That. So one. Um, Kentucky and Duke only programs with more first round picks since 2020 than Alabama. That's the level that Nate Oates has brought this program to in terms of finding, developing NBA talent. And that that sentence in and of itself is like crazy to think about because it also wasn't just like one class. Like it wasn't like Duke's like Zion RJ Reddish class where they had like three lottery picks one year. Like this has been spread out sustained success over the past four years. Like you had Kyra Lewis and then you had Josh Primo and now you have the two guys this year. And in between you've also had like JD Davidson's been drafted. Herb Jones was drafted. So you have this, these multiple years of putting guys in the league. And a lot of them like came out of left field, like Noah Clowney or Josh Primo. So like it has me, I'm like, who's, who's next? Like who are guys that y'all see that could potentially be like, like who's the next draft pick? Like who's the guy we could be talking about next year about having just been drafted? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. I think in, in terms of the recruiting class that they're bringing in, I think you have to talk about Sam Walters a little bit. Really lengthy, athletic, uh, can you know jump real high, great shooter. Uh, he's got a prototypical NBA build, needs to add some weight. But I think down the road, maybe not next year, but maybe next year, he's one of those guys I think you could uh, get on some draft. I think he could play. eventually, absolutely. Next year might be tough just because of how skinny he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I my, think, and, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say my audio cut out for a second. Who who were we discussing? Oh, we were. Did you hear the question? Uh, I I did hear the question. I just didn't hear Matthew's answer. Sam Walters. He said he was talking about Sam Walters. Gotcha. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I was gonna say sure. like maybe we were just talking about it, and this kind of also segues into like some of the recruiting talk. Jaron Stevenson, I think maybe because the NBA draft, like scouts and everyone loves potential upside youth. Mm -hmm. Kid will turn 18 the month before the season starts. So he will be 18 at the time of next draft. He projects into that Noah Clowney mold. And I'm not saying he's going to be Noah Clowney, um, but – He's going to be a six foot ten, crash the glass, can switch on defense. Is a good, like, I don't know how necessarily good of a rim protector he is, but Clowney wasn't necessarily a rim protector, but he was a versatile defender that could still block shots on smaller players. Um, I don't know how good of a three point shooter he is. Um, from what I've seen, he looks decent. I mean, I thought Clowney. Is a bet. I think Clown is a better shooter than what his percentage said. Um, he only shot like 27, 28%, but I think like his form is okay. And he seemed like a better shooter than that at times. Like the way Stevenson can play in this system, if his body is ready, I think he could get looks. And like also, he's so young that it could be one of those things where he plays his way into it. I'm not like predicting that I'm saying it's a possibility because of the youth and he's the one like of the whole recruiting class. If there were to be a one and done guy, which I guess 
Ali has had a one and done guy three straight years. No. Yeah, three. Yeah. Um, because Primo, JD, and now Miller and Clowney. So if there were to be a one and done recruit, I think it would be Stevenson. So. Yeah, yeah. I I could totally see that. I'm super high on Stevenson. I, I think he's going to be an awesome addition. I'm excited for him to kind of have some time, you know, just playing for the team to have a little bit of non-conference before the uh, the very difficult stretch in December. Um, kind of get his feet under him, but I think like I think we could see a kind of a breakout from him as well. Uh, I think potential and build. I like Ryland maybe not get drafted first round, but maybe second round next year. Uh, the shooting is really there. I think his confidence can ju- just needs to come up on the ball. Like I think he sometimes got a little lost, like defensively, um, had a little bit of like deer in the headlights occasionally. But I think the form and the ability is there, and maybe see him take a really big jump this next year. I, I don't even think the jump has to be that big to get into the draft or to get into discussions. Um, there's not a lot of like overwhelming draft prospects already for next year like i feel like things are pretty wide open so i think he could slide his way into that um but of one and done recruits i would i would definitely lean jaron stevenson and then i think sam walters down the road will get there as well so i I think there's a lot of potential uh with this year's team and i think they'll be a good college basketball team be good college basketball players and have the opportunity to make a jump to the nfl level NFL, NBA level. NFL, Bama in the NFL. The NFL level. <laughs> yeah. Um, have y'all seen um, this morning I was looking at all of the way too early 2024 mock drafts. Um, like the top five, like none of them are college players. It's so weird. It's like four G League Ignite guys and like an international dude. And, like, I didn't even recognize some of the names. One of them was Ron Holland, who – Arkansas legend. Um, who was the first college guy off the board? I'm about to check. I'll look yeah. at – okay, SB Nation. Here you go. Um, Ignite, Ignite, Isaiah Collier at three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then kid from France – DJ Wagner from Kentucky, yeah. Cody yeah. Williams from Colorado, who is the brother of J-Dub with the Thunder. Um, Where is Justin Cosby? Edwards from Kentucky. Where's Stephen Cosby? <laughs> oh, you've got like Filipowski. He's going to be a, yeah. the highest sophomore yeah. probably. Um, they've got Kellel Ware on here. Let's be serious. Maybe if he had transferred to Alabama and gotten that. Yeah, he he would have had a chance. They've got Riley Kugel on here. I like that. I like, I like it. No, yeah, I, I like it. He flirted he flirted with the portal at the beginning, correct? But then he like there were whisperings I, he was gonna hit and then he never like posted the I'm not leaving. Yeah. yeah probably <laughs> probably so. Um, and then, like, CBS has French player Ignite, Ignite, Justin Edwards from Kentucky, Collier, Williams, Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw from Kentucky, um, Ignite, Duke, a UConn freshman, um, Jacoby Walters, Alabama legend. 
So I guess the guys they're looking at at the top of like the college ranks are like Collier, all of the Kentucky guys. It'll all be completely different in like six months too. That's how it always goes. Right. Yeah. And I think with probably in the, the second round too, if Grant Nelson has a big year, if, if he comes that, out, yeah. mm-hmm. for hypothetically speaking, if he's Grant going Nelson to Alabama. Alabama, he's going to Alabama. Yeah. Where else is he going to go? With a big year, he's got all the tools. He'd be a little Let's old. be candid about Grant Nelson right now. He's going to Alabama. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, it, Arkansas I, filled their last spot today. Yeah, they did. So, like, you can't go there. Yeah, who was it, the the Memphis transfer? Lawson, yeah. Yeah, He's fine, I guess. Might be a Darian Ford-type role for them. Yeah. But Uh, I I do think Nelson's a guy that could get on boards again next year. He was already on some late. It was a, you know, uh, didn't work out and things like that, but obviously decided to come back to school, I I think, with a big year in the SEC. And that's somewhere Nelson could probably find himself would be in the second round. And if there's a place that he can show off his talents to NBA teams, it's it Alabama. Alabama. And you tweeted this either today or last night, Matthew, but you talked about how Alabama used to be a guard factory with like Kyra, Sexton, JD, Primo, guys like that. And now they're developing more forwards with obviously Herb. I mean, Miller was is what he is. Clowney, like – Grant Nelson's probably going to play the five for Alabama, but, like, he's a four at heart. Like, that's his position. He's 6'11". Like, everything he can do offensively, I think with – especially with Stevenson, like that five out that you can play, um, I think he's going to have so many opportunities to have big scoring games, big rebounding games. I don't know about the defense. Um, But – if he has the kind of season that he's capable of having, I mean, he declared for the NBA draft this past season and uh, went through the pre-draft process, decided to come back. But as a second round pick, he might be the most likely Alabama player to get drafted period next year. I think maybe at least. I I think that's definitely a fair statement. I mean, that's we're the, we're the score. Like you're saying, he's going to be best equipped to showcase his abilities that he really already has a lot of. He just needs the kind of the scale uh, and another year of uh, practice and growing in his abilities uh, to play and native system is going to do wonders for him. And I think him being drafted is more than probable. Uh, maybe could see a late first, but I think I'd say it's probably solid potential for second round pick. Uh, I'm really excited for him to officially be committed. Once all the the details get one day, yeah, what, what he will be he will be playing college basketball and it will be for Alabama. I don't know. I, he'll probably he's probably not even going to announce it. He's just going to show up in a video that like the yeah, or something like that. He doesn't have social media really either. He has Instagram. Yeah, we all know he has Instagram. That's true. He has followers he, that people like to keep track of but like he doesn't have twitter so like it's yeah. not like he's gonna tweet like the little pin emoji and like tuscaloosa all right it, so, it's gonna be a gonzo bomb it is gonna be <laughs> yeah and she gonzo just dropping it in like i i don't know it, 
like whenever uh, JQ came back, like the that video that they released uh, before the Liberty. Oh, from the locker be, room that was like his jersey or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like we'll, we'll get something <laughs> awesome like that over a commitment, like an official thing, which you know that that's a little bit more fun too when we kind of know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, like the Javon Quinterly, I'm back at it instead. It just says I'm here. That was a with Grant beautiful Nelson. edit, by the way. That was, was. astounding. So happy. I think, I think Nelson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. We that that's that's roster movement management things. Uh, I mean, we had said previously that we kind of expected him to come back, and he did. Um, what what kind of role do we think he's gonna play now that we kind of are seeing the construction of the roster and we kind of can start to point in directions for roles for different players. Uh, I think he's going to play kind of a, a similar role to last year, but maybe on the offensive creation from a guard position, he won't have to do quite as much. Uh, Cause I think, you know, bringing in uh rights on Aaron Estrada, like they're also very, capable guards of being on ball and distributing, making plays, but also scoring. So I think we'll see like minutes wise, probably pretty comparable, maybe a little bit more in some games, a little bit less in others. Um, but I think maybe the burden of having to be like the explosive, like on ball point guard will be like removed from his back and he'll be a lot more open uh, to just score, have fun, throw out the hoops, like, get out there and change the game with speed some too. Uh, but I like having him back as a leader too, is just invaluable. I mean, we've seen over the past few years of March, like the more that the portal and NIL and recruiting trends in the G league, like shake up things, having experience and depth is vital in March and throughout the season of college basketball. It's a long season, uh, a lot of games, and having him there to lead, being a, a four-time SEC champion now, having that insight of, like, here's how you close games. Like, we're going to close this game out and win it. Uh, having him at the forefront is just – it's going to be awesome. He'll be basically be a player coach this year again. Yeah. I think he's essentially going to be, like, the – he's probably going to be the closing guard. I don't know if he starts necessarily – Again, because we know at this point that he's comfortable in that role. Uh, like, we've seen it for two of the last three years now, that that's kind of been where he is. But I also think he'll be more productive off the bench than previously. Like, he, he'll kind of be – he'll be a pseudo-starter like he was at the end of February, like in the Arkansas game and the Auburn game, like before they put him in the starting lineup where he – first guy off the bench, he comes in and, like – distributor he's the guy that can really get downhill like we know what kind of player he is we've been watching him for four years but that's like I think in terms of minutes that's kind of the role that he's gonna play and that he we know he's really comfortable in and that like he also knows the depth that's in the backcourt like he knows Sears is back he knows Estrada and Wrightsell are coming in and so if he wasn't if he didn't want to not play less minutes like if he like he would he wouldn't have been back like he would have been like i'm gonna go try to do whatever in the g league or somewhere else instead because i don't want to play less minutes so i think he he knows what's um 
what the task ahead of him is, and like he knows the potential role, and he also knows what he's good at, and I think he's comfortable there. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean that's that's huge to have him back, and like from an efficiency standpoint too, like just what it brings back. You know, been looking through like Evan Miyakawa's ratings um, of players and like his Bayesian performance rating, which is a, a lot of like kind of algorithm that breaks down a little bit like efficiency and plus minus, but more succinct. Uh, and he's like yeah, a three point two one, so. Basically, like he's 3.21 points at least per possession better than every other, like than the average point guard. So having that retained rather than like bringing in another guy out of the portal to play or like to fill his spot, uh, that's that's nice to have. Speaking of guards, oh, you go. No, I was just going to say, I, I think looking at his experience in, in March, that Alabama's going to need Javon Quinterly in March to be the Javon Quinterly that we've been accustomed to. And I, I think you look at some of the teams of past years that have gone on to win national championships, whether it be UConn last year or any other, these other teams, they have that, you know, guard experience in the backcourt. I mean, Javon Quinterly is a grad student now. You have Aaron Estrada is going to be a grad student. Matura Reitzel has got a ton of experience. Mark Sears has got a ton of experience. This Alabama team is going to be really deep. They're going to be really experienced. And that's just another huge win for them in getting Quinterly back and getting their leader back and honestly getting the SEC's biggest antagonist back. Oh, did we lose Blake? Might have lost Blake. Oh, we lost Blake for a second. <laughs> but uh, but again, yeah. to, to win in March, you need guys like Quinterly to step up. And Bama's got Quinterly back now. He's you know kind of been the – the March train every year for the last couple of years to, to really step up when it matters. And they're just going to get that going forward from him. Yeah, well, for sure. And what he does, like, like you're talking about the biggest antagonist in the sec. I mean, literally like every fan base that has been relevant the last few years, like just can't stand him because he's just that much of an impact. He just leads with like a fiery mentality and attitude that changes games. I mean, I, he literally came in and changed the the eyebob in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, like I mean, they're, they're the second fan, half performance. Yeah, there are fan bases out there, particularly Auburn's, that would tell you that they're happy to see Javon Quinterly back. But I think everybody knows deep down that was one of the last things that they wanted to see. So yeah. Quinterly, it'll be really nice to have him back. And I, I'm really, really excited about. I know we were watching some film earlier, but Aaron Estrada coming in and out of Hofstra. I mean, that is an unreal pickup. That's a huge win in the portal. Uh, he was highly coveted, highly pursued. He's an automatic scorer, uh, distributes the ball extremely well. Uh, I, I just think he's going to help take this team to the next level. And I think something that uh, the strategy, maybe the prevailing strategy with the portal and recruiting kind of seems to be like as much as guard play kind of wins in March. I mean, as much as good experience guard play does win in March and affect positive outcomes between, you know, end of conference seasons, tournaments, and the NCAA tournament, uh, you, the front court doesn't necessarily have to be that. Like, no. the front court doesn't need to be that experienced, like, old, like, fifth-year college basketball player. Like, I think there's some strategy to how the team was rebuilt this year. Um, as well as necessity, losing Bediaco unexpectedly, uh, that changed strategy for sure. But I think that opened up things. And I think Oates is kind of on that train of like, you want to get really athletic 
bigs, whether they're like great offensively or not, or like a little bit more inexperienced, like that's not as big of a deal as it is with guards. So focusing on experienced guards and then trying to find just talented wings and the front court that can do what you want in your system. I mean, that's, that's really important. And I think we did that in the portal this off season. No, exactly. And then uh, you mentioned Estrada. That's obviously, I think that's going to be a bigger addition. Well, I don't know if it's going to be bigger, but it's going to be up there with the addition of Nelson. And he averaged over 20 points a game last year. Hofstra really, uh, he started out at Oregon, um, ended up transferring, was not a great shooter at all there, really struggled, um, struggled with some of the athleticism as a, a smaller body at that time. Um, he's grown an inch and he's added about 10 pounds of weight since being at Oregon. Um, or not, well, not quite about 10 pounds, but close to it. He's really coming to his own as a shooter. And, um, you know, for Hofstra, he was the New York Metro player of the year. There's some great players that have won that. Uh, I, I just think pairing him with Reitzel and pairing him with Sears, pairing him with Rylan Griffin now, Alabama just got, again, one of the deepest backcourts in the country, which has been a, a theme now for the last three or four years. Yeah, for sure. And I think the depth of the backcourt, like, is legitimate. Like, there's no one or two guys that are kind of covering for everybody while, you know, there may actually not be as much depth as maybe we've seen, like, when it came down to crunch time two seasons ago. Uh, but, like you said, all those names that can just come in, plug and play, be efficient, and play good defense, but also score the ball really, really well. Uh, that, I think that's crucial and just such an incredible way that. You know, it's rebuilt this team from losing a lot through the portal with uh, Jaden Bradley and Amari Barnett and to the draft and to signings with Brandon, Noah Clowney, and Betty Ako. So that's just completely reshaping the face of the team and feeling equipped to go into next season with all the options that you have. Yeah, I think Blake has maybe emerged from the depths of losing. We're going to act like I never left. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> we held down the what are we talking about? Uh, we were talking uh, about Aaron Estrada, some of the backcourt, um, just guys like that. I think we didn't bring this up earlier, but I think he's another guy that, like, if he has a really good senior, I guess, fifth-year season, um, like, I think he has the – I think he's a good enough scorer to be Alabama's number one guy on offense. Um, I don't know if he will be, and I think there may be too many mouths to feed, but if he ended up being, like, the primary – scorer he could get second round kind of looks like later second round um he's definitely he's got the scoring talent to make the league potentially um and so he's another guy like you've got guys that are going to be considered like nelson is surely leaving after one year uh estrada's gone quinterly's gone um and quinterly will play in the summer league at the very least and then You've got um, maybe Sears if he chooses to leave, but he also has another year left. So maybe Griffin. Did you mention maybe Griffin? Yeah, maybe Griffin, maybe Stevenson. So you've got a, a number of guys. But yeah, I think I think Estrada has the potential to be a really high level scorer um, and and a guy that could get late round NBA draft looks. Um, but I'm excited to see the way that that backcourt kind of fits and and gels together. 
I think he's just going to be a big part of helping to fix a lot of the loss of production uh, from a points per game perspective because we lost uh, 63% of the total scoring from last year. That's uh, a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's not as much as the rebounds. They lost 75% of the rebounding from last year. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of shoes to fill, a lot of ways that – the, the new talent will come in and affect the game and it'll be different. Uh, and I think Estrada would, I think he like preseason looks probably would be my take for leading scorer for the year. Like anywhere in that like 17 to 19 range, I would say maybe a little bit like 15 to 17, but I'd probably go closer to 15 just because how many guys there are. Right. There's so many yeah. mouths to feed. Cause like your top five scorers are going to be in some order. Estrada Sears, Nelson Quinterly. I'm forgetting somebody major Griffin. Yeah. Like those five are probably going to be your top five scores. And I feel like all of them could potentially be double digit guys. Yeah. Might so, do the, the Tennessee thing from this year and have everybody at like 10 to 15 and nobody above 15, but nobody really below 10. Yeah. <laughs> I could definitely see that. Uh, did we talk about Charles Mediaco at all? No, no. Uh, yeah, so he signed the, the deal with the Spurs, which I believe is – it's not officially an Exhibit 10 deal reported on, or it was, and then it wasn't. I think it's an Exhibit 10 deal. Um, it's exhibit. Which means it's like they go to training camp, and it's a one-year minimum non-guaranteed deal, um, which basically means they can waive them and retain their rights to for their G League uh, to put them on their G League team, or they can uh, convert it to a two-way contract. And so, basically, Charles is going to be playing for the Austin Spurs next year. It's just whether he's playing for them full-time or he sometimes gets called up on a two-way. And I think the way that he plays for them in the summer league is going to determine that. Um, I like the Spurs as an organization for him to go to because pop knows how to use traditional bigs, even though they're kind of phasing out in the modern NBA. Like, I think that's a really good landing spot to be able to maximize his potential um, and get the most out of him. I know Matthew, I think you were saying some of that earlier in a different conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, again, the the Spurs have a history of being able to develop guys like Betty Um And even with, Former Alabama players, too. Uh, I mentioned this in a, in a group chat. Um, the Austin Spurs have, were kind of what Jermichael Green accredited to his development in the NBA, was being in that G League system for from around 2013 to 2014. And he went overseas for a year. And then I believe um, was back from 2014 to 2015. Um, but, again, that's the one of the best contracts I think Betty Yako could have signed would have been with the Spurs. So I, I love that deal for Betty Yako. I think he'll be a successful G-leaguer for a while, maybe he'll get a call-up at some point. Um, but he's got all the tools to, to develop into a really good defender and um, just rim runner. Yeah, I agree. Um, but that makes three guys from this past Alabama team that will be playing in the summer league at the very least, and potentially if Charles gets a two-way um, – he will be in the NBA as well. And so he has a chance to prove that over the next couple of weeks. Um, but I think, I mean, we've been going for an hour now, maybe a little less, uh, probably about a good time to wrap up 
this episode, episode one of season three over here on uh, Bama Central. But let's talk about schedule for uploading. I think we're going to try to do at least one every two weeks through this offseason. Um, we'll bump it to one a week in once the actual season starts. I mean, we haven't decided for sure whether to go back to recording on person, keeping the StreamYard thing going. Um, we definitely want to get some guests on here, and StreamYard makes that really easy. Um, so that will be something to look out for uh, during this off season. Um, anything else y'all want to add before we wrap it up? Yeah, be on the lookout for some uh, some video features. Obviously, Blake mentioned it, but with StreamYard, we have a lot of new capabilities now. Um, so maybe some breakdowns in the future, maybe some some other fun things. Yeah, you never know. We'll we'll plan some stuff for you guys. We got some some great content coming in the future. Absolutely. For sure. I'm uh, super excited to continue to put out some content and try out some different forms, push our, our limits a little bit and see what we can kind of come up with, get creative and really detail this class. Um, some schedule breakdowns, all those, yes. all those kind of things. Yes. So, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Make sure you're uh, following us all on Twitter to see our, uh, any of our content commentary related to Alabama basketball. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at BCU podcast to make sure you never miss uh, an upload or a video feature or any of the content um, that we have and that we are creating um, this season. But yeah, we're excited for um, a new season, kind of a new beginning uh, for the podcast. But as always, thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys next time.